The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast. It's Friday. I have a book that just came out that I'm very excited to go get. I saw Endgame. I'm in a good mood, and Aaron Sorensen is across the desk from me. How are you? To make the mood not as good. <laughs> no, that's it, like adding. No, I have to say, though, when you said you have a book, it made it sound like you wrote a book. I did. You did? Congratulations. I'm in the process of writing a book. Same. Which is funny, because I actually thought about it last night. I was like, I should write a book. Because I could not sleep, mm-hmm. and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. I was like, this would be the perfect time to just get up and start writing, because I can't sleep. Yeah. I've thought about writing a book before, and I don't know what I'd write about, so. I don't know what I'd write about. I will either. say, I've always thought this would be very entertaining, is doing a doing a book on sort of all of the things that happen in the coverage of a sports team that other people don't realize. It's kind of like the files that never make it. Um but when you just think of all the pre-writes, somebody had jokingly said, publish all the pre-writes that you've written that didn't end up, like, you didn't end up doing anything with. But there's so many of those. But there's also, like, the level of, like, things that we've seen, things that we've heard, all kinds of stuff where it's like, I'm sure somebody would be interested in reading that. Or, like, the, the 15 million audio files on your recorder oh that, that never see the light of day. And Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Because I, what I do is I pull all the files off at one point. So, like, I'll do that this summer before the new season starts i'll pull all the files off i'll save them then delete the whole thing out completely empty and last year before the season started i kind of had just had a crazy summer so i hadn't had a chance so i'd only had one file folder that i'd pulled off and saved and it was the folder d because i have a through e and i remember that folder d was all diaco because i was like d for diaco i'm like oh man there were probably a lot of gems in that sucker i should have just sold the whole file to someone that would have been amazing. You would Did you, have been. Do you still have that file? Yeah, it's on my it's on my external hard drive. We should go back through and just listen to that over the summer. Oh, all his like in space, and you bring him back down to earth, and you love them, and you take. Or them. you know what we should do is we should take that to Chin's office and let Chinander listen to it with oh, us. No. <laughs> well, it's funny because they know each other. They do know each other, and that's like when so. That's where the whole should I hold this or yeah that well, comment what's funny came from is he um, and I tried to. Uh, I've tried to tell people this. I think some of it is, like, I don't think they were ever, like, best friends at Iowa by any means. I, they think they were far enough apart where they didn't know each other, like, super, super well. Um, I can't remember how many years apart they, they are. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't either, and I'm too lazy to go Google it right now. But he, when he threw that, like, everyone would always say, like, oh, Shenander's throwing shade. To a certain degree, yes, he was. But he was also doing it to somebody he knows. It would be very different if it was... If it was just the previous defense, right? Like, there's yeah. a reason he was doing that because he knows that that was going to get back to Diaco and that he has a pre-established. I don't know. I don't know what their relationship is with one another, but they know there's each familiarity other. Familiarity, yes. With each other. So you can kind of throw that shade and have fun with it because you know the dude on the other end isn't going to be like, "How dare you? I don't even know you." <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best way to do it, though, is if you actually don't know the, the person. I mean, that's kind of what Frost does. He throws shade at everyone, but he kind of knows everyone, I guess. 
Uh, so Chins graduated from Iowa in 2003, and Diaco was a grad assistant That's in Iowa right. in 1996, 1997. Okay. So there were... It doesn't look like there was overlap. But they, like, knew of each other. Right. They both went to the same school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how... You just know everyone who went to school with you. But anyway, this isn't the Shenander Diaco podcast. Iowa offers very few recruits. Here's how I'm going to transition this. (laughs) Iowa offers very few recruits. So there is a small number of people that actually attend Iowa for football purposes. So the family is smaller, so they know each other. (laughs) Even if that they didn't play transition. together. You got it was it. terrible. Uh, okay, so one of the things that happened... It wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard. It was a lot of news this week on the, the Nebraska... I was about to say Nebraska ball, but Nebraska basketball front. Um, transfers, attrition, we'll get into that in a little bit. I know you've got thoughts on Brady Hyman leaving. And, mm-hmm. um, but first, so somebody at Rivals, I don't have the name in front of me right now. I should have the name in front of me. Blair Sanderson. Uh, tweeted out updated numbers on the class of 2020 offers from every Power 5 school to date. Number two is Tennessee with mm-hmm. 330 offers out mm-hmm. to 2020 kids. Number one with 409, so not even close, yeah. is Nebraska. And there was a lot of, I guess, hand-wringing at that from people that were like, why are they just... Uh, there was two. There's two real solid, like... It was interesting because there were, like, people who are not Nebraska fans who were going, Nebraska's just just offering anyone and everyone and kind of making fun of Nebraska for Mm -hmm. it. And then there was Nebraska fans who were saying, why are they offering anyone and everyone? I think the people who sort of understood it weren't really that vocal, which is honestly how most social media works. The people who sort of understand what's going, like, the more reasonable thought processes usually do not rise to the top on social media. So we didn't see a lot of those reactions. And I think there's a good number of people who get it. Um, but you do have that instant, that instant like flinch reaction where you're like, what, why is Nebraska doing this? But I mean, we've, we were just talking before the podcast started about why, why this is the case. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about sure, why. I can lead off. This is, I mean, this is strategic. Greg Smith told me when, uh, when this staff first got here that, they take a lot of pride in the fact that they offer more kids than anybody. Mm-hmm. And when you, I mean, when you just think about this geographically, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, oh! Christian is throwing fruit at us. Yeah, and it actually like if people could see the podcast, the Clementine he just threw out the window into this room, I think actually like broke and. <laughs> Anyway, continue about <laughs> recruiting offers. Geographically, Nebraska, I mean, it, it makes sense if you just break it down. Like, Texas was number, what was Texas? Texas was number 60 out of 65 in terms of offers. UCLA was number 62 in terms of offers. Like, Texas, Texas could field a 150-man football roster and not have to leave the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. UCLA can recruit solely in California and field top 25 recruiting class if they did it well enough or they could just stay on the west coast a lot of the teams you know like florida florida don't have to leave florida to feel the top 25 class right nebraska could go west and go all the way out to hawaii and get kids or they could go east and they could go all the way up to new york and get kids just because they have to like you have to cast a wide net here because you You don't have have, you don't have 
the local talent pool is getting bigger and it's getting better, but they don't have the talent pool of a Texas to where they can just stay at home, rest on their laurels, and and get whoever they want in here. And on top of that, they have coaches who are willing to go do those things. They have a guy like Tony Tuioti who's willing to go be in Connecticut on a Mm -hmm. Tuesday and then out in California on a Wednesday. Ryan Held puts in constant amount of work like they have frequent flyer miles they've just got to be just racking them up they get the uh the hawaii trips every year Mm -hmm. that'd be great yeah they just get well yeah i mean but you are right i i think tuioti is probably a great example because he sort of has been everywhere and i i like how they all kind of have their shticks a little bit so you have the ryan held point and now tuioti's thing has kind of been putting the nebraska hat either on or taking a photo of it in a location um but it is true nebraska but i think what's important is people to to your point nebraska has to cast a wide net but i think what has gotten a little bit lost in translation with some people and especially i'm talking more outside of the state the people who are not nebraska fans who are reacting to this more from a place of like trying to throw shade at what frost and his staff are doing is this idea that they're just going out and giving anyone and everyone an offer because I was telling Derek this before the podcast on Facebook. I saw a reaction to um, the recruiting notebook from Thursday night that Greg Smith posed the question of um, what leads to the, what leads to Nebraska making an offer, and he sort of dove into something that Becton said during spring ball about how they look at these kids. Um, it's not about necessarily offering the kid who has. 15 offers already because maybe he's not the right fit. Um, Sometimes they get in early on a kid and offer and then their offer list takes off, but they're always evaluating if this player could fit within their scheme, could fit what they need, fit what they want. And so that's why sometimes you're not seeing some of the biggest recruits get offers, maybe yet, maybe they will down the road, or you're seeing a kid that they've offered suddenly get a lot of people paying attention. Um, but that's that's the key is they're evaluating these players constantly. They're not just it's not spray and pray. No, and so like even like we were kind of joking last night about and I guess like when you listen to this it doesn't matter when last night was. I was joking because if you have tweet deck, you can see what activity is happening if that's one of your tabs and at around like 9 30 p.m thursday night ryan callahan with the huskers was following literally everybody in the state of mississippi (laughs) um but there's a strategy to that he's he's doing that intentionally at that moment because clearly as greg pointed out to us that's an area of interest um Eric Schneider said that's an area of interest for Nebraska. They're going to be looking a little bit more into Mississippi. Um, So now you're watching the recruiting staff putting in the work. They're following them on Twitter. They're keeping an eye on them. You know they're watching their huddle highlights. They're going to be extending opportunities to maybe go see them, maybe get them to campus. But even just watching their social media and seeing how they sort of, are they a good fit? Do they have the same kind of like, you know, mentality that Nebraska is looking for in its athletes? Like, this is all a part of it. So when you see that activity happening, he follows like 30 people in one fell swoop. There's a reason for that. Yeah, But really quick, I was going to say, it doesn't mean all 30 of those kids are going to get offers. Right. It means they're starting to watch if those kids make sense. So that's the key is don't confuse number of offers with lack of evaluation. But also the kids who have an offer, it's not like they watch them play one time. It's no. There's work invested in those kids. Um, you know, I was supposed to hang out with Mario Verduzco. Uh, Thursday, and he was unexpectedly out on the road recruiting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they are on the road constantly recruiting. Like, I mean, 
they trust their evaluations more than, than maybe anybody else, any other staff in the country, I think. Um, and, and Greg Smith kind of broke it down great for me. He said the amount of offers that they send out are, are strategic, um, but they also they, they trust their evaluations and they're not afraid to be the first one to offer. Nope. And they also have a lot of pride in being the first one to offer because you know they've seen they've seen kids who they were the first Power Five offer and people were like, "Oh, why are you offering this kid?" And then in a few months, the kid's recruitment blows up, like you mentioned. Yep. See, I want to read, I'm actually going to read this quote from Becton because I think this is really important. It's not that long of a quote, but I think it kind of nicely like packages this all up into their thought process. It says, we look at pretty much every kid as a staff. There are some guys we say, yes, go full bore after. There are some guys that we want to recruit still, but we need a little more time. They need a little more time out of them. A lot of times we need to see more. Sometimes we need to get guys on it. We need to get eyes on a kid at a camp. There's a process to it. Some guys stick out right away and some guys are on the fence and we have to see them with our own eyes to see him do some things or work with them so we can see how they tick a little bit. I think it's all a case by case basis. That's the big thing is yes, there are going to be kids where they see them instantly that they're like, yep, give him an offer. He needs to be at Nebraska yesterday. And then there's going to be kids where they're like, there's a ton of potential there, feeling good about it, but we need to see a little bit more. We need to know, is he going to be a good fit? Is he going to be what we need on our team? So they're going to go see him. They're going to go watch more film. They're going to have the recruiting staff do their due diligence and sort of dig into their lives a little bit more. This is actually one of my favorite things is like when I've talked with, who was it that I talked to last year? Um... Oh, gosh. I talked to a high school coach for one of the kids that got recruited for last year's class. And he said the thing that Nebraska does that no one else does is they come in and they don't just ask the coaches and the teachers, what do you think about this kid? They ask the janitorial staff. They ask the people who you wouldn't think to ask. They want to know the the guy that no one else is paying attention to in the school. What do you think about that kid? Is he nice? The people working in the lunchroom. Chin said the same thing. They yeah. ask people's hairdressers. Yeah. Do they do? Are they kind? Are they thanking you? Are they holding the door open for you? In fact, like when I did that story on the um, uh, the fraternity of quarterbacks, and I had the opportunity to chat with frost i was on the football and not f- put taylor martinez on the cover didn't put taylor martinez on the cover i know i'm so sorry to everyone who's so upset about it we <laughs> you are wrong and terrible i'm um, just kidding oh i'm just kidding um technically martinez was on the cover just fill in the blank um though i just remember leaving when i was leaving the office to leave that day when I was leaving the office to leave when I was taking off for the day I had just gotten done talking with Frost for probably about like 20-30 minutes and as I'm leaving Austin Allen and Luke McCaffrey were waiting for him they must have had like a meeting or something afterward and as I'm leaving both of them don't really say anything to me and it's not that I expect either of them to but Frost actually made me like didn't make me he asked me if I'd stop and he made them introduce themselves to me and explain to him how it's important to say hello to people, to say how are you, to just take a moment and acknowledge people's presence. And I thought that was really interesting because that goes to show why they go and do that. But that stuff plays into it. So when they're evaluating this kid, these kids, they're not just looking at, are you good on film? They want to know, are you the kind of character we want in this program? Are you going to represent Nebraska well? And then they're continuing that when they get here. They're all putting that time in to say, like, are you caring about people? Are you 
respecting people? Are you holding doors open? Are you doing what's nice for each other? Like, you see the players hold doors open for each other. Like, it's just, it's a, it's kind of that, like, extra little thing, but that takes a lot of evaluation. So, yeah, you could get hung up on 409 offers, and wow, Nebraska's way above. By the time this podcast goes live, it'll probably be 450 offers. But there's a lot of research that podcast goes into that. podcast is going live in a couple hours. Well, they're, you Don't know, throw it's me Friday. Don't bus like that. No, I'm saying it's Friday. Friday offer day. I don't know. That's true. Um... Also, I think it's it's also important to remember that they're still behind. This is still a new coaching staff. They've they've coached one season in Nebraska, so like yeah. there's they're still playing catch up a little bit. Um, at least offensively, they still feel like they're a year away from having the the numbers that they would like. So they're still playing catch up a little yeah. bit. So they're gonna have. But they offered more. a lot of players at UCF as well. They did. Just, I mean, this is just a strategy that they have. Like, it's probably they're probably not going to lead the country in offers every single no. year, but they'll be up there, which and I don't think is a bad thing. No, and I like like we've said, and we're kind of beating a dead horse on that. But you have to you have to be willing to step back and realize they're not offering every single kid that breathes. So the person who's like they're offering them to anybody who has a pulse, funny joke, not true. If that was the case, you and I would have offers as well. I mean, I technically have NCAA. You you have one already. <laughs> well, you've been evaluated yeah. higher than I have. Been. <laughs> um, I have the the. I, I also have a Nebraska basketball offer. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I have. I don't the offer fit the athleticism tickets. mold, and I am super short, and <laughs> I don't shoot threes, but I'm really good at mid range jump shots. Mm-hmm. So I don't fit the offense at all. But no, you really do not fit anything Fred Hoiberg <laughs> is looking for. But very interesting strategy for him to like extend that offer to you. Yeah, just trying to keep local people happy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> depth, depth is one thing I want to talk to you about. Uh, on on basketball or no, with football? The fo- with the football team. With the, we can talk <laughs> which, about which we'll, one. <laughs> we'll talk about depth with the basketball okay. team later, but football team first because we haven't had you on in a couple weeks, and I want to ask you. With the recent departures, particularly on defense, are you feeling a little bit uneasy about the numbers that they have on defense, mm-hmm. the numbers of, of reliable options or experienced options on defense? Do you feel a little bit worse about that group now that we're out of spring ball and we're heading into the offseason? Yeah, because we felt pretty good about the defense heading out of the spring game. We did. Uh, I feel still really good about the defensive line. Okay. I think the secondary is going to be pretty good, too. So basically, your linebackers are going to be your game up linebackers. Yeah, I don't know. Both outside and inside linebackers are going to be a little bit interesting. You and I have talked about this just between each other that I don't know if they're going to move people around to try to sort of find depth or find experience to play. Um, I don't believe, like, I saw somebody mention, like, oh, they'll move Ben Stilly back out, and I don't think so at all. He is permanently on the defensive line. Ben Stilly's 300 pounds. He's, yeah. he's not playing outside linebacker. No. <laughs> uh, so that's where, that's where, with the departures, yeah, there's a lot of question marks now at, at linebacker. Um, and I don't. I need to go look at the roster now. Do you think they've removed everybody from the roster already on um, on the website? Uh, not that I had last checked. Let's see. They had not. Let's see what. Also, if you ever just Google Nebraska football roster, it gives you, like, this little, like, tab up at the top. Oh, Cam Jones is still on there. Well, of course. But they have, like, 
Brody Belt without a photo. Jalen Bradley with one of our photos. That's fun. Really? I think so. I'm pretty sure that's our photo. Or at least a photo that looks a lot like what we've taken before. Interesting. It's a very it's a very random mix of photos and players. Sometimes I get like Eric Crouch popping up at the top and I'm like, oh, he's back. Um, let's see. No, they haven't, because like Quayshawn's still on here, which gosh, that one his message when he left really stunk. Jalen Bradley is their photo. That's it looks a lot like our photo. Oh, that's their photo. It looks a lot like our photo. No, it's got the the elementary school picture day. Like no, 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 the background. one at the top. Like, I've just Google. Oh. Well, those are just Google images. Right, I know. That's why I'm that's saying. That's not Huskers.com. No, I'm not talking about Huskers.com. I thought you were saying Let's Huskers.com fight. had it. No, I'm just kidding. Why are um, you trying to derail the podcast? Because that's all I do. Um, I'm looking at this now. Yeah, they haven't removed anyone from here. But now I think... <sighs> The biggest thing with linebacker, both inside and outside, is there are guys who are injured that you hope that they're healthy by then. Um, you hope that they're healthy by the first game or at least within the first part of the season. Um, you have young guys that you hope are going to step up quickly. Gosh. Oh, wait. Have they? Nope. Here they are. The smart take, and I and I say the smart. Smart take. Thank I say you. smart because this is Brandon Vogel's take. Okay. Uh, you lost bodies, you lost options, but you didn't lose production, or you didn't lose production that you were depending on. So, no. In a sense, the loss isn't too terrible, but at the same time, it's a loss of options. So now you've got Colin Miller and Mo Berry at inside mm-hmm. linebacker. Um, you're hoping that Will Hone is comes back fine that's from who the i'm a- talking about when i say injuries is will honest yeah, yeah. You're, you're hoping he comes back fine from the acl injury he didn't mm-hmm. take contact this spring so he still hasn't done that yet that's still a hurdle that, that they're gonna have to clear nick henrich is probably out for a while yeah um jackson hannah I, I i mean i guess maybe he's in a good position being able to be the fourth inside linebacker coming in um here's you're right but he's a backup Production hasn't changed. However, depth is still like that depth is still important. And I think this is what's really fascinating to me is watching the people who are like, that's fine. Nebraska has walk-ons. And yes, the walk-on program does find really strong players that do contribute down the road, but you cannot live and die by it. You cannot live and die as a team that wants to win win the Big Ten and ultimately be in consideration for one of the best teams in the country with walk-ons supplying your depth. That's just not going to work. So, like, I'm excited that Joey Johnson sounds like he's going to be a potential contributing factor, at least from a depth perspective, because they're going to need him, and it sounds like he had a great spring from what everyone has said. Uh, we have a story about him on HailVarsity.com, which is, you know, just seems like there's a lot of, you know, good things to consider about him, but he's – he still can't be like you can't live and die by that so you walk on for a reason yes you need like, the scholarship athletes who are going to be able to compete at a high level and it feels like here's what's funny about this it feels like when you say that the way people read that comment and i'm sure like if there are some people who i already know when they get done listening to this they'll probably tweet at me and be like oh walk-ons are great how dare you disrespect the walk-on program that's not disrespecting the walk-on program. I have just said, to preface this, 
a lot of walk-ons come to Nebraska and end up doing great things. You just cannot build your entire team around it. That is not how Nebraska is going to win is by the mentality of, oh, that's okay. We don't need the scholarship players because we've got the walk-on. Just replace them with a walk-on. Because if that's the case, then give them a scholarship offer. That's the reality of how this game works. I mean, yes, Frost, kind of going back to what we were talking about with recruiting and all the offers, yes, Frost has talked about how he wants a roster of 150 right now because you're kind of gambling a little bit with needing that extra, those extra bodies. Mm-hmm. Brandon Vogel wrote about this, about it's, yeah, you're kind of playing that game of like whatever, but when you go look at like Alabama, Alabama doesn't have 150 people on their roster. They don't need 150 people on their roster. And I'm not to say Nebraska can't continue to give kids chances. Well, they have 124 stars on their roster. What? I said because they have 124 stars on their <laughs> roster. <laughs> it's just one of those things where you have to fact you have to consider the fact that like, yeah, Frost is casting a wide net in a lot of areas, walk-ons, scholars, like offering scholarships and stuff because he needs the bodies now. I'm glad I'm not alone on this because no. I had this walk-on take. I think it was last week we were talking and about this. And people think Slack. that you are a hater and that you hate Nebraska right. and that like so you I'm, don't think people. Yeah, I'm no, glad I'm not alone. I mean, because I, I mean, if you look at the the way the offers are broken down, a lot of the linemen they're all coming from the Midwest. They're mm-hmm. all and and there's a belief that the staff has that they can go get linemen from the Midwest mm-hmm. and they can get them in the strength program with Zach Duvall and they can beef them up. And before. A lot of the walk-on success was coming from the line, mm-hmm. and you can have. I mean, that's fine. You can do that. Trent Hickson is going to start at left guard, and he's a, he's a walk-on. Yep. Currently, he might get a scholarship before he starts, but he's he's currently a walk-on, mm-hmm. and he's in line. I mean, he he started throughout all of the spring at left guard, but all of all of the the major all of the the skill position players they're all going to the offers are going to kids out in Florida, kids out in Texas, kids out in California. They're yeah. all going. To the hotbeds. Yeah, you and I talked about this last week. Actually, I was with you one week ago today, and I told you about this. And you actually made a really good point because you said there's a difference between doing this for linemen and doing this for skill position players. And people always kind of reference, I told you, like one of the stories you hear a lot about is like back back when Nebraska was really good. People like Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne could drive down I-80 and just pull off into a farm and find a guy like pulling a, like, you know, working in his family's farm and be like, I want that kid. Come walk on to Nebraska. We're going to put you on the team and make you great. And they would be like, awesome. Sounds great. I'm there. When do I show up? You can still do that. Like Frost can certainly go out and find anybody in the Midwest that I think when it comes to a to the trenches makes a lot of sense and you can you can make them you can sort of mold them into what you want to be it's a very different ball game when it comes to skill position players Mm -hmm. and that's not me saying that like skill position players are inherently better than guys in the trenches or anything like the thing that's so hard about this conversation is people try to misconstrue like these little pieces of what you say into like well are you saying that linemen aren't as good And it's like no 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 that's not what it is it's just a very different position it's very different like your right guard is very different than your quarterback. You're recruiting them very differently well, because they're different, different athletes. It's just a different skill set, yeah. And so, like, those are those things where it's like, yeah, you can you can recruit your trenches a little bit differently than you can recruit your skill positions. Your skill positions are not positions where you can just go, like, drive down I-80 and be like, that kid walking on the side of the road, want you. That's not how that works. I hope you're not taking anybody walking on the side of the road on I-80. <laughs> 
That would be. That would be. I mean, I would question. I would question their sanity if they are doing that. (laughs) Right, outside linebacker is not a position you want to walk on in the two deep end. If it, 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 uh, unless the walk on is amazing, maybe you find them. Maybe you find them. It's fine. I mean, Joey Johnson could potentially be that guy. Ideally, you would like to have. Caleb Tanner in your two deep. Ideally, mm-hmm. you would have liked to have had Breon Dixon in your two deep. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you would like to have guys like Alex Davis and Tyron Ferguson remaining healthy and being consistent contributors throughout the season so you can have Jojo Doman and Caleb Tanner as utility guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's ideal. That is ideal. You don't want... I think Brody Belt was a great story. I wrote about him for our, in our yearbook. Mm-hmm. No, I wrote about him for the, yeah, ran, yeah, he the wrote, notebook thing yeah. that we did in the last issue of Hill Varsity. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to play a ton, which isn't a knock on him. It's just... Again, I feel like you have to always preface these things. The person who just got irrationally angry that's like, how dare you disrespect him? It's not disrespect. He certainly could prove us wrong. I've always said this. If a kid proves me wrong, I'm okay with that. I'm 100% being okay with being wrong on that. But I don't want to oversell a situation so that people... Because here's here's what's so funny is we, we get kind of like two sides of this where people get upset if we overhype things because then they get to the season they're like oh, I thought you said this was going to be a 12-0 and team and they're going to get to the college football playoffs and you it's did like, say they were winning 10 games this year and Adrian was going to the Heisman's Heisman I, I said oh, see you are twisting it I said if they win 10 games <laughs> no you said 10 games I said they have to win 10 games for him to be in New York City but you also Heisman. said off the podcast they were winning 10 games I did not say that yes you did no I didn't yes you did I am like in the like nine game range. You were on the record saying ten games. Oh my gosh! I said if Adrian wants to win the Heisman, so they gotta win ten games. You are part of the contingent that is oh overhyping this season. I was the one last year who said it would be lucky if Nebraska won six, <laughs> for the record, and everyone called me a hater. And then they won four, and then I was like, I still overhyped them. Remember when I first started on this job? Well, you probably might not remember. Because you weren't with us at that point. But I said 10 wins in 2017. Excuse me? And then they won four. <laughs> Excuse me. That was like a that was like a like a harsh reality check for you. Well, it's in like, my welcome defense, to Nebraska. In my defense, everyone did that. Everyone was like, Tanner Lee is about to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. I did not say that that season. I actually said that season. I thought they were going to be... I think if I went back... I would have to go back and look because... Land of 10 doesn't exist as far as, like, website anymore, so I'd have to go back and look at my files. But I'm pretty sure I said they would be lucky to be 8-4, and four, but it was, like, around, like, 7-5 and five is what I thought. Well, aren't and, you special? No, 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 no. Here's, here's why this is, like, a big deal. The year before that, when they went 7-0 and oh before the wheels fell off the bus, um, I had, like, overhyped that team a lot. I was like, oh, they're going to be, like, they're going to be for sure, like, 10-10. and 10. Did you believe in the 7-0? and oh? You bought the start? Well, this is at the beginning of the season before they did the 7-0. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, they're going to be, like, maybe 10-2. and two. Like, they're going to be pretty good. Um, and then, you know, I definitely thought it was going to be much different. And then they went 7-0, and oh, and I'm like, well, I don't think they're a top-10 team. But, like, all right, at least they went 7-0. and oh. Like, I was of the belief that they were not a top-10 team. But just because of the default of their record, that's where they fell. But then things fell off, and I was like, oh, so then, oh, <laughs> oh, and everyone like reminds you when you overhype a team. So yeah. then going into 2018 or 2017, you get a prediction wrong. You can never forget it. No, going into 2017, I was like, look, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to do that. So I remember saying, I'm like, they will be lucky to win eight games this season. 
but I would like settled around like seven and five or eight and four. And I got so much hate from people on Twitter. It was like, how dare you? How dare you? It's like, and then they went four and eight and everyone was like, wow, way to overhype it. You thought they were going to be eight and four. You overhyped it. I'm like, you yeah. can't win. No. No. You caused it. I, I did. Yeah. Di- yeah. Coming here was a, a pretty significant culture shock. <laughs> so, which which kind of gets back to the walk-on thing because the last place I was at didn't have the same kind of Oklahoma romanticized feelings about the walk-on program. It's great if you have two or three guys every year that kind of break through and mm-hmm. become consistent contributors for you. That's but you why don't, the walk-on program is important. You don't want to have the mindset of, oh, we lost a scholarship player. We can just replace him with a walk-on guy. It's not... It's not the way you can have that if you're a team that has the aspirations of Iowa. If you're a team that has aspirations of a Big Ten championship and going to the college football playoff, you cannot have that mindset. Nope. So part of that is is reconfiguring a little bit. Because um, I also think if you got Frost in a room he, and gave him some truth serum, he would probably say the same thing. <laughs> I was like thinking like you've got him like cornered in a closet and you're like, you're not leaving. <laughs> Give me a straight answer. <laughs> no, I mean, Frost is Frost is a local kid himself. He comes from Wood River. You wrote the story where he went home and that's the only place where he's known. By the way, did you see some of the like negative, not like negative reaction to your story, but did you see some of the negative side of what people thought about his whole visit home? Because, like, it was, like, what, the first time he'd been back to Wood People River? had a negative? Yeah. So how many how many years had it been since he went back to Wood River? Like, oh, they were upset it took him 18 years to go back? Yeah. They thought, like, well, he must not appreciate Nebraska. He was in Oregon, and then he was in Florida. And his hometown, if he's not willing to come back. Please. It was the best thing I've ever seen on the internet. He went to New York and Tampa Bay in the NFL, and then he went and coached in, in Iowa and then Oregon and then Florida. Like, there's not a lot of time to hater. go back to Nebraska. He is a hater. Put him on the list. He hates Nebraska. Oh, no, it was... Social media is great. I I often say Facebook is the best and the absolute worst thing to ever exist. Um, and I share a lot of what you guys say on the internet with my colleagues because you're all sort of insane and we love you for it. <laughs> um, no, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast or the people who were leaving those comments, it's just like, it's just bizarre to like watch that where it's like your mind goes from like, he's trying to say like, this is the only place I can come where people just know me as Scott. I'm not coach here. And the immediate reaction that somebody in the world had was, how come he didn't come home for 18 years? Yeah, there's always somebody that's mad. It's amazing. Honestly, I want to know how you live your life every single day. Tell me about it. Oh, my gosh. Sega and Paramount. Oh, so did you see the trailer for the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie? I haven't because have you seen what Sonic looks like? Yes, but that's my point. The director of the movie tweeted that they're going to change the way he looks in the movie because of so much backlash. Well, yeah, because he doesn't look like Sonic. They made him tall and skinny. This Sonic is incredible. Sonic is Song's a little short, like... It's a live-action movie that they're just randomly changing the way he looks. Good. That requires a lot Look, of Look, let editing. this be a lesson, people of the internet that are upset that Scott Frost didn't come home for 18 years and that walk-ons no, no, are no, not no. private. The internet has too much power. If you say more, they will make... <laughs> no, the internet has... Social media and Twitter has too much power. It does. They completely derailed the Tennessee coaching search because of Twitter. 
And we could get into that if you wanted to, but I don't want to, so we don't have to. Well, I mean, but that was probably deserved. But anyway, some of it was. Let's talk about basketball. Yeah, hoops. Uh, lots of transfers. Nebraska is now transfer you. I got a text message from my brother after the, um, which one was it? It wasn't Cam Mack. It was, oh, um, how do you pronounce his first name? Benton Delano. The six foot eight guard oh, that transferred in from Western Kentucky. I got a text message from my brother that said Nebraska is now transfer you. Which yes, they are. The, the the way that they've completely just remade this roster in like a month. Your brother just incredible. made me think of probably one of the funnier tweets I saw around this. Okay, do share. Andrew at Husker Power sixty six. He follows Hale Varsity. He probably you've probably seen him. Oh, Andrew, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. awesome. He's very very entertaining um, with some of his basketball takes. Um, and he tweeted after all of this started, "We've created a JUCO at a Big Ten school." <laughs> and like I, he's joking, like. Before you go, like, he's being sarcastic because it feels with all the transfers and there are a lot of JUCO transfers right now that, like, it's kind of funny. But it was pretty... You don't have to, like, qualify it for me. I get what he's No, but I'm just saying I have to qualify it for anybody who just got mad that I said it. I just laughed because it was, like, I know his humor, so I knew he was joking. But to a certain degree, it kind of, it was just like there are people who feel that way, and it makes me laugh. I don't know if if they overhauled the roster this quickly at Iowa State, but I mean, Jesus, like we're less than a month in, and they've got. I mean, like I I wrote this line in, in my uh, love hate for the week. Like the only thing returning from last year's squad is the ball. Like the difference, both stylistically and aesthetically, is going to be insane. The first time we see them on the court. Yeah, it's going to be very different. Like, everything that we watch this year, very different. Now, with all of these changes, so the big the big thing, like, so we're going to see a bunch of new faces, a bunch of, a bunch of the players that we were not sure if they were going to return or not. Most are departing for various reasons. We can get into the whole Brady Hyman thing in a second. My question is, with Amir Harris, there was a bit of a conflicting report. There were some conflicting reports about whether or not he was going to leave. So he was initially included in a group that did include Brady Hyman, that he was going to put his name into the transfer, transfer portal and ride off into the sunset of his future that isn't Nebraska. And then within like five minutes, negates that report and says, I'm just focused on my health. So my question is, did Hoiberg ask him to leave? And did he say no? I hope so. I hope that's what happened. Did he just be like, thanks for the offer. I'm not going anywhere. Because if that's the case, Amir Harris is my favorite player Instant forever. Legend. Build a statue. Oh, my God. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be great. Like, you don't know how many times I've thought, like, with, like, the football program, how how amazing it would be if a player that, like, is told, you're probably not going to play, you should transfer, and just like, eh, I'm good with it. I like it here. I'm fine. You don't have to play me. I like coming to practice. Okay, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, okay, but, screw you. I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to play. Well, no, but, like, I'm just saying I've always kind of thought that would be sort of funny. But, no, you're right. Like, I think Amir Harris is different in that sense because I think he is a prove it, I'm going to prove you wrong kind of guy. I don't think he's somebody who's he's going to just stick around, but I've just always thought that would be kind of funny. I think there's a very, there's a very weird 
reaction to that Amir Harris thing? Because I saw a lot of people that were like, good, these guys don't belong with the program. They don't fit the direction, and, and they don't belong. At, a couple of them don't belong at D1 school. I saw that comment a couple times, which was strange. I really like Amir Harris's game. I wrote about I it a do. ton at the end of last season. Jacob Padilla wrote about it a couple times at the end of last season. They were much better on the floor He's got a last lot of year. good energy. They were much better with him on the floor than they were with him off the floor. And you could point to the fact that he didn't take a three-point shot, and that needs to improve. Yes, he needs to improve his jump shot. But he, he has an offensive awareness on, on that end of the floor where his lack of a jump shot doesn't it doesn't crater their offense. And I think, you know, especially with, with some of the talent that they've brought in, that Hoiberg has brought in, you know, you could pair – you could put Cam Mack, Gervais Green, Amir Harris – Mate Kavas on the floor together with mm-hmm. a rebounding big or screen setting big and Amir Harris could 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 fill a really good role mm-hmm. in that and you could move him around and he could run off screens and he could back cut and he could do a lot of different things and because of the, the shooting that you have elsewhere it's not going to hurt you right and I think this that if there's anybody that I trust that can both teach shooting but also find a role that suits a player's skill set it's Fred Hoiberg he did it at Iowa State and I think you know, a lot of the issues last year were when Amir was playing big minutes, Nebraska didn't have a ton of shooting on the floor mm-hmm. because partially Nebraska just didn't have a ton of shooting last year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue moving forward. I really like Amir's game, and I'm, I am I hope he sticks around. But I want to ask you, how many points are returning from last year's team? They scored 71, 72 a game. How many are returning? I don't mean to like have awkward silence. I'm like at I'm like thinking because Isaiah Roby would have been because he's in limbo. I don't think he's coming back. I'm assuming that Thor and Roby are both gone. Okay. Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> basically, it's however many points Amir Harris yeah, had last year. Two point two. I was gonna say two points. I was not. I'm not even kidding. I should have just said it. I was gonna say two points. And if you add in Thor, it is four point two. He averaged two points a game last year. Yikes. So that's why Nebraska basketball kind of fell off. What is their per 40? I have no idea, but it's... So Amir was at 7.5, Thor was at 6.5. So about 11 points per 40 minutes are coming back from last year's team, which is not good. Um, (sighs) Returning production is very important for those wondering why Minnesota is so highly ranked this offseason in football. Because they have more, more returning production than any other team in college football. And they're so elite. Well, that too. Uh, Sorry, but, we had to work that in. You you said you had elite timing this morning, so we just had to work in another like elite for the day. Just for Greg Smith. He hates that. I hate it too, but uh, it's fine. Oh, are you not a PJ Fleck fan? I don't. I don't care enough, like one way or the other. Like I'm not a fan, but I'm not not a fan. I just like don't really like. Let me put it this way: I don't care enough about PJ Fleck to care either way. As much as Greg loves. I keep wanting to call Indiana's head football coach Tom Crean, and it keeps saying, no, that's not right. And I can't remember what his name is, but Greg absolutely loves Indiana's football coach. I feel the same way about P.J. Fleck. I am a big fan of P.J. Fleck. Um, What's their football coach? Tom name? Allen. Tom Allen. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a very, like, basic name. <laughs> I was expecting something different. Tom Allen. I had to make sure because I was kind of – um, I kind of had a moment. Now, I mean, I will say one of my favorite mo- moments of Big Ten Media Day last year was when the t- coaches go to take their photo and they're all in a hallway. Um, Frost was very, like, standoffish. He, he, 
that's just his personality. Like, he's not going to, like, be the middle of that group, like, trying to, like, be everyone's best friend. And he's kind of standing off to the side, and uh, Pat Fitzgerald is, like, the one person that's trying to get Frost to, like, talk. And he's just like, hey, how are you? And, like, being really, like, Pat Fitzgerald. And you can tell Frost is just like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Like, why is this happening? And Jim Harbaugh is off to the side. Just It's every caricature you could imagine in one small little space because then you've got PJ Fleck at the other end of the hallway just just looking like he chugged four energy drinks like two seconds before that just like yeah guys let's go take this photo like like they're literally like the like the extreme version of what you assume these coaches are it's pretty close it's weird that I like PJ Fleck because I absolutely hate over excitement and people who are so over the top in terms of their expressions and their mannerisms and he he's crazy and he talks a ton and i don't like that i think my main uh fondness of pj fleck stems from his fashion sense probably oh yeah i could see if i dissect it a little bit i think that's probably why you've got similar like not quite as like aggressive color palette as he does but i can see like you've got similar like suit choices and shoe choices now he nearly he's got a strong suit game he does he needs to like learn how colors work um he hasn't well, quite i mean figured... minnesota's red and yellow doesn't is not really doing him any favors he's got to match the scheme no i know but sometimes it's just like there's a more subtle way to like convey what you're trying to do instead of being so aggressive you know what he needs to do this year at big 10 media days is just get a like a crimson tie with bright yellow oars oh, God. all over it i'd be curious to see where that falls in brandon's tie ranking yeah i will let's get back to basketball we're so off track i just what was i gonna say oh i was gonna say he almost like ran like literally knocked me over last year before or two years ago before the minnesota game (laughs) i like i remember that story uh like he just is not aware of people in his path so you pj fleck does not move for you 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 move move for pj Pj fleck Fleck. and i elite mindset i did not move and that's my bad. So that's a personal apology to uh, Minnesota and their head coach that I was in the way. That was my bad. So per 40 minutes, Nebraska has 13 points returning from last year's team. And that's assuming Thurier Thurbjarnerson returns, which I don't think is a safe assumption to make. So Amir Harris could could very well be the only player who has played a game for Nebraska that is coming back. That's so fun. There is, I mean, the team is going to look 100% different. It's going to look very different. And I don't think that's a bad team because last year's team was not good. You know, this is one of those times where I'd say it's kind of you had to have this happen. You kind of have to just rip the Band-Aid off and start new. And, yeah, you're going to have maybe a couple of familiar faces, and uh, that's not a bad thing. Like you said, I hope Amir Harris sticks around. I think he would be a good I think he would be a good guy to have on this team, and having a guy to bridge gaps is never a bad thing. Sort of the same reason that Armand, oh, Armand Gates stuck yeah, around. Yeah, having Armand Gates around is a great thing too. I think for myself, you just had to rip the Band-Aid off. You kind of need a fresh start. You need to be able to go into 2019, 2020, that season, with really no baggage. I think that's important because I think a lot of the guys on last year's I think that was a damaged team. I think it was a damaged psyche, and there was going to be a lot of baggage for which is some so of those interesting. Where this because like when you go when we when we were able to go into the locker room after the NIT game, the personality of the team and their love for one another was very clear. Like that they they appreciated one another for the most part. They were friends. They enjoyed each other, but for whatever reason, 
that was not – I mean, liking each other and being friends does not necessarily translate to being good on a basketball court. So I don't want to, like, imply. But it just was – it's tough to see that when you're in a locker room setting and you see the, like – you see them as legitimate friends of one another, but they just can't get it together on the court. Like, Are you impressed by how quickly Hoiberg has been able to make things over? Yeah, like I was just so – for anyone who wants a little bit more, Jacob's padding the stats for this week looks at that change and sort of what it means for the future. And it is impressive. In a month's time, he's overhauled so much already. So imagine what it's going to look like come next October, November, when they're getting ready to roll into this season. It's going to be very, very – it's going to be very different, and that's not a bad thing. It is impressive. Now there's some drama around it, and we don't have to get into the whole thing with Brady Hyman too much. I do feel really bad for Brady Hyman. There's going to be some. There's going to be some casualties in this that are going to that we're going to feel a little not great, but probably for the best for everyone involved. Um, but Hoiberg said he, in his introductory press conference, didn't he say something along the lines of? We're going to put a competitive basketball team on this on this court next mm-hmm. next year, and we're gonna we're gonna like basically hit the ground running on this thing. Well, it's, it's important to show progress. You don't want to have a year one where it's just no. like, oh, we didn't have a roster. Just throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, we didn't have a roster. We'll worry about it next year. Like you need to show progress mm-hmm. so that you have something to sell on the recruiting trail moving yes. forward, so that you're not having to rely on graduate transfers every single year because that's not something they want to do. It's like relying on walk-ons every single year. I'm sorry. Don't bring it back to that. Let's talk about Brady Hyman though. Okay, Brady Hyman. You feel bad about Brady. I do feel. feel I think most people feel pretty bad for Brady. So we've talked about this. Um, The reports are, you know, he, and we were able to confirm that yesterday, uh, that he has put his name into the transfer portal. The story that then later came out from, or the quote that came out from Mike Sauter was something along the lines of, he asked me to leave. He asked me to leave. So, and it was like an hour before his final. It was an hour after his last final. Was it after or before? After. I saw conflicting reports in the exact same story. Oh, really? Yeah. So now I'm confused. Well, I thought were, it was. There, there were several errors in that story. Oh, gosh. Deshaun Burke can leave. Uh, he is not obligated to stay in Nebraska just because he just transferred into Nebraska. He can leave. Do you think he he'll would stay? He would just. Yes. Yeah. He already said he's going to stay. He. he but to you, no, I'm just kidding. Just, I'm just, kidding. just, just because he transferred in does not mean he cannot yeah. immediately transfer again. He would just have to sit another year, so right. it would have to be his choice. But okay, back to what you're saying. Yeah, Several errors I, in that story. Back to what you're saying. Anyway, so I wrote actually a story last November, um, right before this, kind of right in the beginning of the season. Actually, it was right the week the season began about Ray Hyman and his relationship with Armand Gates of all people, and how this came up is when you and Jacob were at Big Ten Media Day. Um, Isaiah Roby had made a comment about kind of the smack talk and like the trash talking that they were doing and that there were some people on the team that were not very good at it but Armand Gates was trying to teach them to be better and one of those players was none other than Brady Hyman which makes sense because if you talk to Brady Hyman he says like a total of four words an hour so he is just not going to be your king of, of trash talk no. but Armand Gates was really trying to get him there and what led what I found interesting, the reason I went and told this story, and I actually talked to Armand Gates, talked to Brady Hyman, um, 
talked to actually Tim Miles at the time about it, is there was a particular story where Brady Hyman had done something really good in practice. He had dunked over Isaiah Roby or something, like something ridiculous, and he didn't do anything after. Just kind of was like, okay, great, I did a good job. And Armand Gates is like... Did a thing, guys. Guy did something. Armand Gates is like... So I, I remember now, it was like whoever's team did not win in this little like end of practice scrimmage or something was going to have to run... Um, baseline to baseline and he basically made it so that they didn't have to what, what Brady did and so his team is all amped up and Brady's basically like great we don't have to do this thing <laughs> um so Armand Gates is like in his ear go 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 say something to Isaiah Roby go now and Tim was talking to Isaiah and all of a sudden like um Brady walks up to him and goes not in my house and just walks away. <laughs> Nothing else. And they're both just like, what just happened? And so I love that story because that is just not the personality of Brady Hyman to be a trash talker. But here he was going up against Isaiah Roby, trying to like tell him not in my house. And Armand Gates was like on the sidelines, like cheering him on, like, yes, good job. So I'm repeat I, my favorite story. I will always love that story. And I hope that wherever Brady Hyman ends up, he kind of, like, has good memories of his time at Nebraska. But he definitely got the short end of the stick. He should have never played this year. He should have redshirted. Um, unfortunately, Nebraska was put in a position where they had to play him uh, because of depth. And But unfortunately... Not put in a position. Nebraska put itself in a yeah, position where they had to play to him it. because they didn't have depth. And then they didn't play him even though they needed to play right. him. Yep. No, we can I, go on and on and on about this. He. It he, was very unfair to him. His... his struggles this season like if you're going to play a freshman in the big 10 who is not ready to play you have to let him work through things you cannot yank him at the first foul that he gets you cannot yank him the first time he misses a defensive assignment he has to be able to play through things and learn Mm -hmm. otherwise the confidence is shot it's the no fear of failure thing that scott frost talks about constantly and nebraska did the last coach did not operate by that same motto yeah because that was really – so I think the whole thing is, like, I am not, like, I'm not I'm not one of the people who's, like, appalled that Fred Hoiberg asked him to leave. Um, I, the, the issue that, like, with the story that's been out there about him, um, about what Brady said of he asked me to leave, I believe that is true. The only thing is, is we don't have Fred's account. We don't have the account from that point of view. So it's, it's hard to know exactly – so if anyone wants to know, like, at least how I, I would say I approach most things is you have to have – so if I go and tell a story and somebody tells me this thing happened, I have to have somebody else tell me that story because if two people can't recount the same thing, is it – how do you know it's, like, 100% what happened? So that's the one thing I will caution against is we haven't had Hoiberg's take on it. I'm sure it's pretty close. I don't think – Brady's a lying kid but you also have to remember that it's coming from the individual who's on the short end of this stick because he is and also the person who just doesn't talk in general and gives very short quotes that are very to the point and lacking any tells you exactly what happened details yeah yeah like when he told me the story of what happened with the trash talking thing his version of it was very different than Armand Gates and Tim Miles because you we know Tim Tim is very boisterous and he over tells things so his story was like very over the top Armand's was a little bit more in the middle, and Brady's was very much, this is what happened. So you're not going to get a whole lot of extra from him, but I'm sure at the same time, he probably was hurt. He probably, like, it probably does suck. There's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that. So it's just remembering, like, 
he was put in a crap situation not by not not by this new staff by the original staff that he committed and played for and the good news is for him within like a couple of hours of that news coming out what he was contacted by Nebraska Omaha South Dakota and somebody like he was contacted by multiple teams very very quickly and those are probably Colorado all Colorado State was the other one Colorado State those are probably some of the schools that he should have maybe like been with from the beginning but he's going to end up in a good situation and he's going to have a good college career as a result and hopefully this at some point is just a part of his story but he's he's a nice kid he's he'll be good for whatever team he goes to but it still sucks and you just feel for him and it doesn't suck in the case of like no one needs to be like burned at the stake over it but like no one involved in the current story needs to be burned at the stake over it. There can be some questions about how it was handled with the previous staff, but that's a totally different. You want to burn them at the stake over it? There it's are very, probably some fans. It's who very want aggressive. To. There are some fans that want to burn a lot of people. Actually, a you, lot know of why I've, you know why I'm at the stake. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of those on social media. I think part of it is is because I started watching a new show on Netflix, and it's about witches. So it's probably where that is coming from. What are you watching? The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> Which, if anyone was wondering, because I watched Sabrina. It's definitely not a straight Sabrina the Teenage Witch remake. It's, no, it's the it's it's the it's based entirely on the actual comic strip. Oh. Which the actual comic strip is very dark. It's very like people actually die in it. People are gruesomely murdered. Like I'm wondering who read this comic. Like who like originally was reading this comic strip. Like when it or comic book. Sorry, when it was originally because it is dark. I like it, but. I definitely was, like, going into it thinking, like, oh, it's going to be a little bit more true to the comic book. And within, like, the first episode, I'm like, this is nothing like the 90s sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Alex started watching it. Uh, and she thought that it was going to be, like, the just a straight remake. And it was ver- it was not. And she was very surprised. She goes into things sometimes with very wrong impressions of what's about to happen. She went into... The Captain Marvel movie, thinking that it, that it was going to be the resolution to Avengers: Infinity War, oh. and then it wasn't. It was a like Don't prequel. Say anything. I haven't seen. She it. was very, very mad. You haven't seen Captain Marvel? No, I've seen Captain Marvel. Are you talking about Endgame? I'm talking. She thought Captain Marvel oh, was Wayne. Endgame. Got it. Because some people think that the order and, that they come out, yeah. Is like a- yeah. She did not know that it was a prequel, and so when she got there and it was a prequel, she was very upset about it. And I'm like, dude, you got to like have context you got to read descriptions of movies okay that's that's beside the point you've got to go you got work that you've got to do today no it's um, fine it was a good podcast thanks for joining it was we will talk next week who knows what will come up in the next week although hey, 15 more players will transfer but regardless it also is graduation weekend so to all those huskers that obviously are listening to this podcast congratulations you did it yeah shout out you guys that's i mean it's always an exciting weekend and good for all the people who are earning those diplomas this weekend That's we exciting. made it in under an hour boom nailed it all right keep it with throughout the weekend and throughout the rest of the next week we will be back next week with another podcast thanks guys